Talk 1110993 WBT Pete Callender here our number 3 the phone number 704-570-1110 or 1-800-WBT-1110 the end of the last hour I started a piece by Rui Teixeira at the liberal patriot.substack.com Rui Teixeira 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 sorry um he's a uh, He's the guy that wrote essentially that the demographics is destiny. Uh, This was the idea that as America became less white and uh, more Hispanic, more black, more multicultural, that the Democrats would have a uh, a permanent majority because, you know, racism or something. So uh, and I've never bought into this idea, by the way. I don't find anything particularly uh, uh, skin pigmentation oriented with being limited government proponents. There's nothing about the limited government philosophy, particularly at the federal level. There's nothing about federalism that that lends itself only to white people. And this is really the core uh, problem that critical race theory uh, has, is that it's it's, trying to make this case that this model is racist and everything needs to be blown up and has to be destroyed, pulled out from the roots, and replaced with, uh, surprise, surprise, socialism of some kind. But um, that's the fundamental problem, is that there's nothing about the ideas of federalism and limited government that are only attractive to certain pigmented people. It's not the case. It's a political idea. And it was based off of ideas that had been around for a long time with a couple of new ones thrown in, but... The, the founders recognized these were systems that worked and they worked and they tried to, you know, pit these factions against each other uh, in order to protect as much freedom as possible for the citizens that lived under um, under these governments. Anyway, so the Democrats have been long pursuing this idea that as long as they get more people of color, uh, uh, black, indigenous people of color, uh, BIPOC is the uh, acronym, as long as they get more BIPOC, then they could just you know write off the white working class because they're in decline as a as a percentage of the population. White working class uh, Americans are in decline. The population and yeah 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 you know there's going to be a, a majority minority country soon. And once that happens, we'll win forever. And slight problem is that you assumed people's political philosophy based on the color of their skin, which I would submit is kind of racisty, but. Rui Teixeira is uh, sounding the alarms for the Democrats, noting that Joe Biden did way worse among Hispanic voters than Hillary Clinton did. And it's getting worse. And Democrats don't seem to uh, realize this because they don't know how big the shift has been and they don't realize that it undermines the most influential theory of the case, which is, as I described, this is the rising American electorate theory. That's what they call it, or demographics is destiny. And this, this switch over that we're seeing, you know, this, this shift from, the, uh, from voting Democrat to voting Republican that we're seeing among Hispanic voters, th- this upends all of their plans. And now that's why you're seeing some of these overtures back towards the basket of deplorables, right? To back towards a lot of these Trump voters to say, oh, no, we didn't mean any of that. Oh, we never meant defund the police. I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And the Hispanic voting block is fragmenting away from Democrats more towards Republicans. So Teixeira writes about why that is occurring. 
He says that these are normie voters. Hispanic voters are overwhelmingly upwardly mobile, patriotic, and uh, have a practical and down-to-earth concern regarding jobs, the economy, health care, effective schools, and public safety. All right. Core services. Core services. But, of course, this is part of the problem with any political ideology that advances bigger government is that government then takes on things that are not in its core service responsibility wheelhouse. And as it does so, it doesn't do those new things well. And then it stops doing the other things that it's supposed to be focused on. It doesn't do those things well. So that's why he says these are normie voters. Hispanics are generally normie voters. Normal. It's not all a liberal voting block, especially on social issues, he says. All right, so just how normie and non-super progressive Hispanics are as a group is very well illustrated by recent data from Echelon Insights. Take the issue of structural racism. Echelon asked people to choose between two statements. Okay, here's the first one. Number one, racism is built into our society including into its policies and institutions. Okay? That's the first statement. Racism is built into our society. Number two, racism comes from individuals who hold racist views, not from our society and institutions. In progressive sectors of the Democrat Party, which do so much to define the party's national brand and focus, right? The first statement, structural racism... I mean, that is an article of faith. Echelons, uh, in, in their report, they found like this group, the strong progressive group is like 10% of voters. They, they agreed with the first statement by a margin of 94 to 6. <laughs> 94% of strong progressives say structural racism. Hispanic voters? They picked the second statement. They said racism comes from individuals. And they picked that statement. 58 to 36%. Clear majority. That is a big difference. Clearly, this Hispanic constituency, unlike Democratic progressives, does not harbor particularly radical views on the nature of American society and its supposed intrinsic racism and white supremacy, which kind of makes sense, and it always has made sense to me. You know why? Because they're, they're wanting to come here. They want to come here. They make the decision to risk their life, assault, right, loss of everything. They risk all of this stuff to come here. That does not strike me as someone who believes that the country they're going to is structurally racist against them. So it has always made sense to me. How about another topic? So first there's the uh, 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 racism question. How about this one? Patriotism. The Echelon survey posed this choice. First sentence. Number one, America is not the greatest country in the world. Versus, number two, America is the greatest country in the world. Strong progressives? You want to you know which one they picked? Yeah, they picked the first sentence. Strong progressives, 66% to 28% say America is not the greatest country in, in the world. Hispanic voters, 70% picked the second sentence. 70% said America is the greatest country in the world. 23% uh, 
uh, said it's not. Right? Those two constituent groups are not aligned on really core fundamental issues. By a margin of three to one, Hispanics said they would rather be a citizen of the United States than any other country in the world. Three to one. And by 35 points, they said they were proud of the way American democracy works. There was another survey called the More in Com- uh, by the More in Common Group. And Hispanics, like 76%, said they were proud to be American. Meanwhile, strong progressives, 34% said they were proud to be Americans. How do Hispanics stay with a Democrat party that's being led around by the nose by the strong progressive wing? It's a recipe for electoral disaster. And I am so here for it. Yo. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so last little bit here from this uh, piece by Rui Teixeira on his his Substack page, The Liberal Patriot. And uh, the title is Hispanic Voters Are Normie Voters. So I mentioned a couple of the areas where Democrats are alienating Hispanics. Number one is this idea that you know, there's structural racism. It's built into the society. Uh, strong progressives overwhelmingly support that statement. Hispanics do not. They say racism comes from individuals who hold racist views. Um, patriotism. Hispanics, by overwhelming majority, 70 to 23 percent say America is the greatest country in the world. 23 percent say it's not. But among strong progressives, 66 percent say America's not. So two-thirds of strong progressives say it's not. Um, Hispanics say they would rather be a citizen of the U.S. rather than any other country in the world. That's a three-to-one spread. That's opposite of what strong progressives believe by a similar margin. Then there's the uh, concept of hard work. There is a commitment to and a belief in upward mobility to share our rights. The Echelon survey posed this choice. First statement, hard work and determination are no guarantee of success for most people. Statement two, most people who want to get ahead can make it if they're willing to work hard. Strong progressives don't have much faith in upper mobility. They endorse the first statement. 88% to 12%. 88% of strong progressives say hard work and determination are no guarantee of success. Hispanic voters, they went the other way. They said 55% said that uh, if you uh, want to get ahead, you can make it if you're willing to work hard. 55%. They have different fundamental attitudes about what? Life. I mean, it's not, this isn't some, this isn't about policy even, Right? These are fundamental questions about life. I don't know how you attract people when you, uh, if you're the Democrat Party and you're being led by the the strong progressives, and they are. I mean, the party is the, the you know the updated platform that the party adopted. It reflects these strong progressive values. 
And this is a problem in trying to keep Hispanic voters because the Hispanic voters have different outlooks on life. He concludes, it's difficult to avoid the conclusion that Democrats' emphasis on social and democracy issues, while it may be catnip to some socially liberal educated voters, it leaves many Hispanic voters cold. Their concerns are more mundane and economically driven. This is despite the fact that many of these voters are in favor of moderate abortion rights and gun control and disapprove of the January 6th events. But these issues are just not salient for them in the way they are for the Democrats' educated and most fervent supporters. And remember, when, whenever you're reading pollsters like this, uh, when they talk about, quote, educated voters, they're talking about those with diplomas. It's not the same thing. <laughs> right? It's not the same thing. So in other words, as, he, as the headline says, they are normie voters. Normies. So to that extent, and knowing what we know also about polling among Hispanic voters about illegal immigration, uh, generally they're not in favor of a lot of it. Did you know that? Yeah. Anyway, um, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, picked a fight with Texas Governor Greg Abbott over illegal immigration, and the mayor is outmatched. But apparently, he hasn't realized it yet. Governor Abbott is happy to educate him. See, this is a different kind of education. This isn't about diplomas. This is actually like, going to learn you, going to school you on some stuff. This is 2022. The border, uh, the Biden border crisis has now raged for two years. Texas takes the brunt of the humanitarian crisis along the border. The mayor of New York City... Karen Townsend at HotAir.com writes that the mayor is melting down because Governor Abbott is sending buses of illegal migrants to New York City. He first began to send them to D.C. as a way to make a point. If Biden and his uh, DHS secretary continue to ignore the border crisis, the crisis will be coming to them. After all, both mayors like to preen about their sanctuary cities. The number of migrants arriving from Texas and Arizona is minuscule compared to the hundreds of thousands flooding into the border states every month. In a hissy fit, Adams said that he called on his friends in Texas and told them, hey, we need you to go vote for Beto, otherwise known as Robert Francis O'Rourke, the well-known Hispanic. Um, He's running for governor, and uh, the mayor said uh, he called all of the people he knew, all his friends in Texas, tell him to vote for Beto. Yeah, how many people do you think he knows? In the, anyway, um, he also said he may send buses down to Texas filled with people who are going to go door to door for Beto's campaign. Karen Townsend says if that happens, it won't. But if that happens, I hope someone films it because it's going to be excellent entertainment. And uh, when asked for a response, Governor Abbott said, quote, I kind of feel like Clint Eastwood. Go ahead. Make my day. And I am here for it. I support the actions of the governor sending the buses up there. And by the way, no, they're not tricking the people into getting on the buses. They're offering them bus rides. So this is a consistent application of your standard. Talk 1110-993-WBT. So you heard in the newscast there about the fentanyl, Charlotte Mecklenburg police talking about it, getting uh, into all of the drugs, 
all of the drugs, even the weed, even the pot. And just a tiny little bit will kill you. Fentanyl surging across the southern border too, at an and at sorry at an astronomical rate, writes Stephen Dynan at the uh, Washington Times, who apparently uh, does not even consider that a radio guy in Charlotte is going to read his words and stumble over them, so he wrote them like that. Anyway, with July's rate of seizures shattering the previous record and tripling June's rate, Department of Homeland Security released statistics say the drugs are yet another vulnerability along a U.S.-Mexico boundary plagued by record levels of human smuggling, including 10 more terrorism suspects whom the Border Patrol nabbed in July alone. Customs and Border Protection reported seizing more than 2,000 pounds of fentanyl in July alone. And that's just what they caught. 2,000 pounds. That is uh, 60% more than the previous record, which was set in April. It's more than triple the amount nabbed in June. They found 640 pounds in June. The July haul almost equals the amount of fentanyl seized in the entire year of 2019. That is very worrisome because authorities say the number of seizures is a yardstick for the overall flow. When more fentanyl is found, that means more is getting through. That means a devastating amount of drugs likely breached the border last month. Just two milligrams of fentanyl is considered enough to kill. I believe this is, uh, that's like the size of a grain of rice. Given the drug's lethality, July's seizures would uh, be enough to kill somewhere in the neighborhood of about 470 million people. From this Washington Times uh, article, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that, in orders of magnitude, is stronger than heroin. It's often added to other drugs to boost potency. It also helps to cut costs and make it easier to sustain addictions. And slight downside, it uh, is more likely to kill you with an overdose because it's it's going to sound counterintuitive, but your street dealers might not be the best about quality control. They may add just a little too much fentanyl while they're, while they're trying to cut it with and into the, uh, the heroin or the Coke or, or the pot. It began seeping into the illicit drug market about 10 years ago, chiefly supplied through the mail by China. Congress moved to crack down on the shipments, and President Trump issued a direct demand to China's leadership in 2018 to stop it. And while the president, Winnie the Pooh, agreed to... It's the Chinese president, Winnie the Pooh. Um, He... Well, he does... Okay, he's not technically Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is a fictional character. But he does really look like him. Xi Jinping. He looks a lot like Winnie the Pooh. And more importantly, he really hates it when people call him that. So President Pooh agreed to stop shipments to the United States in this conversation with Donald Trump. But he never said he wouldn't send it to Mexico. That's the loophole. That's what's been occurring. 
Now the precursor ingredients get shipped from China to Mexico, where the smuggling cartels process them into fentanyl and sneak the finished product across the border. And the problem may soon get worse. China this month announced it's going to stop cooperating on blocking shipments of fentanyl to the U.S. as part of its retaliation over Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. It's not clear whether that uh, is going to affect the flows and relieve pressure on the, uh, at the border. For now, the situation remains a crisis. The administration's critics say the flow of drugs is tied to the record surge of illegal immigration. Border authorities are overwhelmed with the number of people. And what happens is that it, that creates gaps in the line and the smugglers then exploit those gaps, right? You send this rush of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people and you overwhelm the system. It's very cloward piven. Uh, and so you, you, you overload the system. And then while they're processing all of the people coming in, you're able to sneak more drugs through. If you don't believe that this is a form of warfare being waged against us by China, I don't know what else you need to see. Really, I don't. I mean, they're, they're coming at us from all different directions. If you don't understand that, then I, I don't know any other way to make that clear, right? You, they're sending the, the drug. They were sending them directly into America by mail, and now they're sending them to Mexico where they're being used through the smuggling operations. Uh, the administration's critics say the flow of drugs tied to the record surge of immigrants. Agents say cartels send large groups of migrants specifically to occupy agents and then slip through high-value drugs like fentanyl. Uh, Border Patrol agents also picked up 10 people in July whose names popped in the terrorist screening database, bringing the total to 66 with two months to go in the federal fiscal year, which ends September 30th. This is, by the way, one of the reasons why I am a supporter of the 287G program that our local sheriff has uh, refused to participate in and sheriffs uh, in big blue cities refuse to participate in. Because if you don't know who the hell is in your jail, you don't know who the hell is in your jail. So why not figure out who's in your jail? How about that? By contrast, agents recorded just 15 terrorism suspect arrests at the southern border in all of 2021 and 11 in four years before that combined. So, so before 2021, there were only 11 terrorists nabbed at the border in four years. And since Biden has been in office, that number went from 11 in four years to 15 and now to 10. Well, that was 10 in one month, I should say. 10 in one month. 66 it was uh, for the total this year. So it went from 15 to 66, just 10 alone in uh, July. Now, immigrant rights advocates object to tying the fentanyl crisis to illegal immigration. America's Voice, a leading activist group, said it's an attempt to falsely scapegoat migrants seeking asylum. Nobody is scapegoating migrants here. My, my focus is clearly on the, the communist Chinese regime, and the drug cartels that use the people you say you care about, they're using them in order to get drugs into America and maybe some terrorists to boot. July's border numbers did contain some, uh, contain some good news. Overall, illegal crossings of people appeared to tick down. Oh, so that's good. What is it at? Oh, it's just under 200,000 in a month. Oh, 
per month. That puts us on a pace of about two to two and a half million people per year. So basically what? Two Charlottes. Two city of Charlottes. That's what we have seen. Two city of Charlottes coming across the border in a year. If you don't think this is part of some larger effort, again, I don't know what else to tell you. All right, I acknowledge, fully acknowledge, I am a tad bit strident in my anti-communist Chinese position. I'm a bit strident. I don't like communism. Really, that's what it comes down to. I don't like communism. (laughs) So uh, it doesn't matter to me what country it's in. Uh, And so it just so happens that uh, communist China is, uh, it's like, uh, you know, like 1.3 billion people. That's a lot of commies. And so, oh, I know, I know, not everyone in China is a communist. Hashtag not all Chinese. But uh, that is the governing structure, and, and they're pretty good at keeping their people in line, right? I mean, everybody was so enamored with their approach to COVID. I'm old enough to remember all of those fawning pieces about, man, we should just do what China's doing. You know, they're still testing everybody. I got another story in the stack of stuff here I'm not going to get to today, but... Uh, talks about their, uh, have you ever heard, ever heard of the term uh, demographic death spiral? It's, uh, uh, it's, it's about the replacement rate. And while America has uh, a low replacement rate, uh, you know, with, with births, outpacing deaths, and so you have a growing population, China is w- in worse uh, shape than we are. And at least we have immigration in China. Nobody wants to go live there, right? People don't say, hey, I'm going to immigrate to China. That's where I want to go, which I think, look, hey, all of you far lefties, this is your opportunity to go make China the communist utopia you know could exist. Go immigrate to, to China. They would love to have you. Let me get Mike on. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Pete. I appreciate it. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I was, I was listening to your, your discussion earlier, and, um, and I just wanted to comment. I, I know that weapons can be made that are like binary chemical weapons. You know, where you, you mix this with that, and you get, uh, you know, something really dangerous. Okay. Uh, what is the possibility that, uh, you know, it starts off as uh, not necessarily COVID. That's what pulls us, you know, to the drugs. But then it becomes the, the vaccine. The vaccine starts it. And then they bring fentanyl in on us. Now they're saturating an already uh, uh, immunized society with with fentanyl, and uh, and and then bam, later on they hit us with that third uh, part of the puzzle that absolutely wipes us out. Well, I don't know if there's a connection between vaccines and fentanyl. I think, uh, it, like, it, I got a tweet here from Justin who said China's engaged in an irregular or hybrid war. Uh, unfortunately, our politicians and industries are coupled with China. The money's too good and or China's leverage too strong. They've infiltrated all aspects of our society without firing a shot. I think I think COVID, uh, the coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, right? Like that, my opinion right now is, and, and I'm able to be persuaded that it was not, but my opinion it seems to me like that escaped from the Wuhan lab. And did. Yeah, right. And they were working on, they were working on biological warfare, right? That to me is Absolutely. clear. So um, why, why would they why would they give us such a mild 
um, um, uh, disease, um, a mild, uh, I mean, no, well, I don't think they meant for it to get out like that. I don't think they meant for it to get out. I think it was a lab leak. I don't, I think that was accidental because I mean, remember they, it, it killed a lot of their people too. So there, I, there is a lot of, there sure is a lot of behind the scene planning going on that concerns me that we don't know the end results. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's scary as hell. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. All right, Mike, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't know what all planning is involved it's i am always wary of attributing a level of of planning that relies on competence particularly when it occurs in government <laughs> all right so uh when and and that's not all it's not always the case right there are some conspiracy theories that are true right conspiracies do exist i'm not denying that 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 does exist i think the obvious explanation so far, given what I have been able to surmise from all of the reporting on it, was that uh, China was working on this biological uh, uh, gain-of-function stuff. They, I think they were probably, because their military was involved in it, I think they were looking at bioweapons. And uh, I think it escaped the lab. And then the, the reaction to it, I think, was separate and apart. I mean, look at the response right now from the Biden administration on monkeypox. Right? All the people that were bashing Donald Trump about his response to COVID, you look at what GovCo's doing on the monkeypox front, and it's not much, but it's not better at all, actually. So, no, I, oh, and I forgot to pay, oh, darn it. I forgot to pay this off. Queen City uh, lost its most famous rodent, Queen Charlotte. She was our, uh, our groundhog that we would always bring out on Groundhog Day. We had our own groundhog in Charlotte, and she passed away, which is sad news. And not to make light of that, but I am curious, has anybody seen former New York City Mayor de Blasio? Has he been in Charlotte over the last week? I'm just saying, I want to question him. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.